Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. Great to see you in church today. I think there's a few people suffering from ash bartiitis. And uh, hey, wasn't that good news, hey? Uh, Aussie, not only Aussie, but uh, also Indigenous. And I just think that's so wonderful with Nate Otwick and, and, uh, and uh, 41 years since Yvonne Gulligan uh, won Wimbledon. So absolutely wonderful. So uh, that's great. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah, fantastic. We are, um, we are looking at the theme this month of Radical Jesus and um, I just think it's a, a wonderful theme but it's a theme that I, I, I don't think people fully understand or comprehend what that means and so we're going to be unfolding that a little bit this morning, talking about Radical Jesus. I, I don't know whether any of you saw a couple of weeks ago, it's just over uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, that horrific um, scene in Miami, Florida of the Champlin Towers uh, just just unfolding like a pack of cards and, and, and falling out. Horrific thing. There's uh, 18 dead. There's, uh, uh, sorry, 28 dead and there's 118 confirmed still missing. And um, I think it was just last week that they demolished the rest of that building because with cyclone season coming they just felt that it was too unstable just horrific scenes and I, I I try to think what would it have been like you know you, you you're in your apartment and all of a sudden you feel that shaking that rumbling and it, it would have been so so uh so so terrible so so fearful at at the time that that happened you know initial investigations of that Champlain Towers tragedy, initial investigations have shown that there was water seeping from the outside pool. There was water seeping into the foundations underneath and uh, it had, over a long period of time, it had started to erode the steel beams and then that led to the cracking of the foundation and subsequently the collapse of the building. Uh, Very tragic and what's even more tragic is that a report from 2018 discovered that um, this had already been talked about, uh, that people had come in and had a look and uh, they had voiced and written down the structural concerns but nothing had been done about it. How sad is that, eh? You know, if the foundations are compromised, whatever you build on it will eventually come crashing down. If the foundations are compromised, whatever you build will eventually come crashing down. The foundation on which we build has to be firm. It has to be secure. I thought about that. I thought, you know, so often in life we can, we, we can do that. We can build our own foundation of what we would like truth to be. We dig the ground of our personal experiences and we put down some steel pylons of our own values and our own desires and we pour the concrete of what seems right and on that we build the high rise of our ideologies and our philosophies and opinions and ideals and worldviews and innovations and occasionally we take that building and we remodel it slightly 
We change things around a little bit. We refurnish, we renovate, we repaint the apartments of our belief without realising that maybe, just perhaps, the foundations are, are cracking and could bring it all crashing down. You have to build on the right truth. You have to build on the right premise. You have to build on the right foundation. And let me tell you this morning, I know I'm speaking to the converted, but the truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth, the foundation. It's interesting that in the Word of God, Jesus is referred to uh, as the rock on which I stand. The firm and sure foundation, the chief cornerstone. We sang it this morning, the chief cornerstone on which we build. We used to sing a hymn many years ago, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So our theme this month, radical Jesus. What does what I've been talking about have to do with radical Jesus? What does all this have to do with our our theme, foundations, and, and making sure we build firm and secure. Well, people think when they hear the word radical, they think of perhaps a revolutionary change. They think of something innovative, outside of the norms, something that's, that's different, perhaps something anti-establishment maybe something even rebellious against the social order. They think of perhaps some significant detour from what has been considered right for so long. Some think of a a total opposition to the long-accepted standards. But friends, that's not what radical means. It's not what radical means. You see, radical is actually from a Latin word, radicalis, and it means this. It means the root of a plant. It means the root that spreads out of a plant. In other words, the the base, the foundation from which something grows. That's what radical means. So radical actually means to bring about change from literally the, the ground up, from the roots. Radical means to have the the courage and the tenacity to sweep away what we have built over the years through our opinions and our experiences and our desires and our ideologies and get back to the very root, get back to the very foundation of truth. Going back to the basics, going back to the fundamentals of what life is all about, that is radical. And if that's the definition of radical, then let me tell you, Jesus was and remains the most radical person to have ever lived on the planet. What he said, what he did, drew us back to the foundations of truth. He he often said things like this. He said, you say such and such, but I say this. He, he was saying there that you've built this understanding, you've built this philosophy, you've built this 
truth that says that you're going to live a certain kind of way. But let me bring you back to the foundation truth, which says this. So I want to bring to you over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about some of these most radical statements that Jesus made. Incredible statements that bring us back to the foundation, bring us back to the root, bring us back to what we need to build life upon. Words that Jesus shared and perhaps one of the most radical, I just want to share one passage today and perhaps one of the most radical of all is Matthew chapter 5. You will know it as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. So let's have a look at that. Matthew chapter 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Matthew 5 verses 3 to 10. It says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Let me bring in uh, the daughters of God as well. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's first think about the people that Jesus is talking to here on the Mount of Olives. He is talking to people who have come under the rule of an invader. Rome has come in. They have stepped in. They have taken authority. These people have been invaded. They've been treated harshly. Just imagine what might have been going through their mind at the time. Hang on a minute. What's this guy saying? This guy is saying that, that I'm blessed when I'm treated this way. That doesn't make a whole lot of, that was a radical thing to say to these people. And let me tell you, these words are still as radical now as they were back then, probably more so than ever. We need to get back to the foundational truth of what Jesus is saying. I first want to deal with that word blessed or blessed. It's an interesting word. It's, it's, it's terribly British. Blessed. It's very conservative. If you look at that word, it is actually a, a very conservative understatement of what the original word is saying. The original word in Greek is the word makarios, and it means something far more vibrant. It's got an intensity to it. It, it sort of means this. You are incredibly, magnanimously fortunate. You are so lucky. You have the Midas touch. If I were in your shoes, I'd buy a lottery ticket. That's the sense of what Jesus is saying here. You are supremely indulged with happiness, is what he says. Which is pretty amazing when you think of some of the following words, right? You're supremely indulged with happiness when you're poor, when you're in grief. When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, when you're persecuted, at first it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. 
famous author, Philip Yancey, he calls the Beatitudes, lucky are the unlucky verses. He talks about that when he first looked at these verses, he, he saw them as some sort of consolation prize for the less fortunate. Those who miss out in life, it's like, you know, those who miss out on the $50,000 prize and instead get a box of chocolates. The Beatitudes. What do they really mean? You see, I think Jesus, the radical Jesus is actually pointing us back to the truth here. He's pointing us back to the the roots, the, the foundation in a number of ways that I want to share with you this morning. The first is simply this. The radical Jesus is drawing us back to this foundational truth. There's eternal reward when you live a God-focused life. There's an eternal reward when you live a a God-focused life. We're told by the radical Jesus here that when we live this kind of life, firstly, we inherit the kingdom of heaven and all of its resources. Secondly, we're called to be the children of God. And with that comes all the family benefits. And thirdly, one day when this life is done, we shall see the face of God. You know, the, the problem is this. The problem is that we seldom allow the heavenly to affect the earthly. We don't allow the eternal to affect the balance of the temporal, the here and now. We live as though this, the here and now, is all that matters and eternity is simply the afterlife. I don't like that word. The afterlife. No, it's the, it's the continuum of, uh, of life. After all, isn't it true that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush? You see, that's the worldview. What you got now, what you got now is, is more important. And Jesus is flipping that around. He's saying, may, you, you may miss out on some stuff now, but listen, there is an eternal reward when you live a God-focused life. The radical Jesus is saying the foundation for this life is simply a preparation for eternity. We are supremely blessed. Goes on to say, particularly if we don't have too much stuff, particularly if we don't have too much stuff here on earth that distracts us from seeing the bigger picture, that heaven is my home. I'm just passing through. That with less trimmings and less distractions, I can remain desperately longing for that day when I see him face to face. That's why in Matthew 6, Jesus says these words, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, many have forsaken the treasure of heaven for the wealthy trappings of earth. And it's such a poor substitute. Such a poor substitute. 
Our treasure on earth, if we're not careful, dims the light of eternity. I think in a country such as ours, we've got to be careful of that. We don't allow the trappings. We don't allow the things. We don't allow this affluence that we experience in this wonderful nation of Australia to to stop us thinking about the fact that there's an eternal perspective that we should keep a hold of. God, this is preparation. You're working in my life right now because I'm a child of eternity and you're doing stuff in me now. For eternity, I'm just passing through. This is just a vapour. This is... This is just a breath and it's gone. Let's keep an eternal perspective. And I think the radical Jesus is pointing us back very strongly to that point. There's a reward when you live a God-focused life. But here's the second thing. There is an unfulfilled void when you live a self-focused life. He's pointing out the the other side of the picture as well. You see, when Jesus uses this particular uh, phrase, this blessed are the Beatitudes, he's actually using a particular figure of speech. It's something that the people would have recognised in the day. Uh, the, The figure of speech is simply this. You state something and it reveals that the opposite is also true. And the people would have realised that. They would have recognised that. So they would have seen both sides of the ledger of what Jesus is saying. It's a little bit like the other day, Edie made a tiramisu cake. And I was eating this cake. And this is what I was saying. I was saying, oh, that is so bad. How many of you know that what I was really saying is, That is so good. That is awesome. This should be illegal. (laughs) So that's the kind of figure of speech that Jesus is is using here. So radical Jesus is saying, take note of which side of the ledger you're on. Be prepared to evaluate where you're at. And if there's some sort of void in your life, return to the roots, return to the foundation in God. And so he says this, I went through this passage and I looked at the alternative. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those with spiritual poverty, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are the wealthy pragmatists for they don't recognise their ongoing desperate need for God. Wow. Here's the next. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Some Bibles uh, use the word mourn. They use that as showing the sorrow of repentance. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are the pleasure seekers who just live for the moment, for they soon will discover that there's a void within that remains empty. Kerry Packer, the millionaire businessman, remember years ago he said this, he said, I can afford anything I want. I can buy 
anything I want and yet there exists within me a black hole that I can't seem to fill. Jesus goes on and says, blessed are the meek. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is a controlled strength. It's, it's like putting the, the bit in the mouth of the stallion that can direct and, and move it. That's, that's meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But the opposite is also true. Sadly unfortunate are those who rule by flexing their power and their resources for their reign will be limited and will soon come to an end. Interesting, Jesus is saying this to a people ruled by Rome. He's saying, listen, empires come and go. Empires come and go. But those who are meek, those who practice controlled strength, they'll inherit the earth. Jesus goes on and says this. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are those who satiate their appetites on addictive, sinful delicacies, for they will never find satisfaction. Wow. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are the judgmental and the self-absorbed, for they actually attract harsh treatment. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are those with questionable motives for their thoughts and their actions end up blinding them to the truth. Wow. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are those who stir up strife and discontent, for their actions stop them from discovering who God is. Blessed are the persecuted, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God of heaven. The opposite is also true. Sadly, unfortunate are the comfortable, for the kingdom of this world robs them of the benefits of the kingdom of heaven. Wow. And Jesus, as he's saying these words, he's he's throwing a challenge out there to the people and saying, which side of the ledger are you on? How are you living your life? And, you know, if, if I'm to be true and if I'm to be real today, I think we tend to live too much on the other side of the ledger. And he's saying, get back to the foundations. Get back to the root. Get back to that which you can build your life upon. The third thing and final thing this morning. The root, the radical root, the foundation is this. There is earthly satisfaction when you live a godly principled life. So he's bringing the thoughts together. Radical Jesus 
who brings us back to the root, who brings us back to the foundation. He lets us know that there are benefits of such a life. It's not just about a reward for the future, but there are benefits available to us today. And that is incredible news. That is exciting news. That's why he could say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can experience things now, reward now, blessing now. It's not just pie in the sky when we die, but steak on the plate while we wait. It's an oldie but a goodie. We can enter into the satisfaction of kingdom now. Kingdom now. You know, we can live as children of the kingdom right now. We can live with blessing right now. We can live with His benefit right now. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be full of anxiety and doubt. We don't need to be fearful of all these things that are happening in this world and this COVID thing because we can live with the benefits of Him right now. Right now. Too many people are allowing this world to dictate the terms. Let's allow God to dictate the terms. I mentioned Philip Yancey a minute ago. He tells a story that when he was a journalist, he got to interview what he calls two different kinds of people, the stars and the servants. The stars were the sporting heroes, the movie actors, the famous musical artists, the best-selling authors, the TV personalities. This is what he said. He said he found these people to be the most troubled, tormented people of all. He said many of those he interviewed were dependent on psychotherapy. They're full of anxiety, full of fear, full of doubt. And then he interviewed the servants, doctors and nurses in a leper mission health workers who had set up a homeless shelter, relief workers in Somalia and Sudan, PhDs translating the Bible in obscure languages in the heart of a South American jungle. Listen to what he says. He says, I was prepared to honour and admire these servants, to hold them up as inspiring examples. I was not prepared to envy them. Yet as I now reflect on the two groups side by side, the stars and the servants, the servants clearly emerge as the favoured ones, the graced ones. Without question, I would rather spend time amongst the servants than among the stars. They possess qualities of depth, and richness and even joy that I have not found elsewhere. Servants work for low pay, long hours, no applause, wasting their talents and skills among the poor, the uneducated. Somehow, though, the process, in the process of losing their lives, they find them. The poor in spirit and the meek are indeed blessed. I now believe. 
Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and it is they who will inherit the earth. Wow. The radical Jesus. He gets us back to the foundations of truth. That there is reward and satisfaction when we live a God-focused life. And an unfulfilled void when we live the self-focused life. Just perhaps, just perhaps, it's time for us to get radical. Let's close our eyes this morning. The first step... To living a radical life is accepting Jesus Christ as the foundation of truth. That He came to save you. He came to make a way where there was no way. He came to deal with the sin factor in our lives and to bear our sin upon Himself and to take that sin to the cross so that we might be forgiven and restored back into a right relationship with God the Father. There may be people here today. It's time for you to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. Not religion, not church, but a genuine relationship with the Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. If that's you or no one's looking around, can I ask you to do one simple thing? Can you just lift your hand? I'll acknowledge it. Put it straight down again. Then we as a congregation are going to pray a prayer inviting Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life. Is there anyone today that says, yeah, that's me. I need Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life. Why don't you lift your hand right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful God. Wonderful God. The other thing this morning is this. I think God is challenging us to get back to the root. Get back to the foundation. Get back to the truth. Not to get sidetracked with all these things that are going on around us. But to get back to the foundation. The foundation. This world has the ability to distract. It has the ability to rob us. It has the ability to bring a filter, bring a lens over our sight so that we don't see with true vision. Let's not allow that to happen. Let's get back to the foundations of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you've been speaking to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you were radical, that you said and did things that swept away all of our preconceived philosophy and experience and the way we had decided we were going to live 
And you came and you said, let's look at the truth. Let's look at the foundation. Let's get back to what it's all about. And so, Lord, we pray over this month as we look at your word and we look at what you said, Jesus, we pray that we will learn to live radical lives that reflect you in everything that we do and we say. We ask in your wonderful, holy name. Amen.